it was a weekend and I was planning to go down the beach, see some friends after a very long time. And before that, I stopped at my solicitor. And for some reasons, very stupid reasons, we had a fight with my solicitor. And it just triggered me to the point, you know, the solicitor, the person that I hired to work with me had a, had an argument with me for very, very, I mean, I just, I still don't understand what, why, what the point was. But anyways, I got triggered to the point that said, okay, you know what? Six months, I was fine. I can have one joint. It'd be fine. Um, so I called my dealer and I said to him, like, you know, sold me a joint. And he said, I'm not going to do you a joint. Either you buy a whole bag or like, you know, you don't, you find someone else. But okay, it's fine. I'll buy a whole bag, which is like a gram. It's like 10 pounds anyways. So I go and I get get that. And I stopped at the shop, got some papers, got some tobacco as well. And I made one joint. And I had a joint. And about 45 minutes later, I made another joint. And that evening, I smoked the whole bag. And the next week, I was stoned every single day. I just fall right back into it like nothing ever happened. And Jay has been so honest, transparent and authentic in sharing his addiction journey with weed. And now he's on a journey of helping others smoke their very last joint. This story, though, isn't just about weed addiction. It's a story about addiction in general. Just substitute the substance with another one. The story applies equally. Normally, when I sign off my intros, <laughs> I say enjoy. But this time, I would like to say, please share Anjay's story with your friends and or family who may also have an addiction to weed or indeed any other addiction. The lessons are totally transferable. Staying Alive UK. Share your story. Hi, Anjay. How are you today? I'm good, Michael. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the podcast. I, you know, I, I don't take it for granted that guests come on my podcast. I really don't. I've been doing this for about uh, how long? Uh, well, we do. Uh, yeah, about six years. And mm -hmm. um, I still am surprised <laughs> that people want to come on my podcast. I'm going, oh, <laughs> somebody will. Even though I'm really booked out into the future, I'm still mm -hmm. really delighted that people are interested to come and have a chat with me. So I, I really appreciate you that you, you chose me. You've got many podcasts to choose from out there. So I appreciate it. And before we got started the recording, I said to you, where are you? Are you in a boat? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, first off, again, thank you for having me, Michael. I think I honestly, uh, podcasting is something I like doing. And I kind of found this passion this year, actually. Um, yes. So when, when I seen that, you know, your kind of a headline is share your story, I bought it straight away and I was right into it. Um, right. And to answer a second question, I'm actually in the summer house. So um, <laughs> as I said early on, and as I mentioned early on, I kind of booked this in advance and, and inadvertently completely forgot about it. got an email yesterday and I said, you know what, we'll just have to work with what we have. And um, so, yeah, I got, 
I got myself in the loft of the summer house. All I'm right. on the 4G network. I've got a camera which I carry with me and a laptop, but I'm pretty sure it'll work out fine. So, yeah, you you sound great. I can hear you very clearly. So yeah, well done for, you know, in, in this world we. You know, even though we've got our ideal studio set up, it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. where you are. If you've got a camera, some earpods, uh, a computer, a network, yeah, off we go. If if for whatever reason we lose connection, you know, um, we'll we'll just adjust things. So that's no problem at mm -hmm. all. Okay, Anjay, so I'm fascinated about your story and I really can't wait to hear it. So... I'll just start with my really, really open question that I ask everybody, and the rest flows from there, which is, mm -hmm. Anjay, why don't you share your story with us and let us know how you got to where you are today? Alrighty, okay. So I guess first I've got to put a bit of a disclaimer out there. The more I share my story, quote-unquote, the, the less details I include. I think it's just my story became from this long you know, long version that I normally um, kind of narrate, do a very short version. So I'll try to kind of include um, the longer story. But I mean, this... Yeah, please you know, do. Yeah, use the, yeah, use the yeah. longer one. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. We've got enough time on here. Okay. All right. So, I mean, going back into my childhood, I kind of grew up in Slovenia, which used to be a former Yugoslavia. Um, so I was still actually born in Yugoslavia. Then a month later, it was actually independent Slovenia. So, you know, my childhood was pretty okay. Just, you know, being around, going out with the bikes. Um, you know, there wasn't really much internet around back then and stuff like that. We were mostly outside and just playing. Um, I then went to the high school, uh, which was kind of a private high school, which was actually my first time of kind of a, um, getting in touch with perhaps a little bit outside world in a way, but also kind of a uh, you know, science and just, um, you know, I just kind of seen perhaps some of the word of some of these things that I haven't really understood really well then. And that's when I kind of got the this knack almost to kind of this idea that I want to I want to explore the world a little bit when when I'm older. So um okay. After I finished my high school, um I was still kind of on the path of the traditional university. Um, yes. But after a month or two, I realized I'm just wasting my time there. So yes. I, I kicked off the university and I went to work. And I was working for about five, six months. Um, it was like an IT support job. And um, long story short, I made some money, but I didn't really like it. So I no. decided I'm going to go completely random. And I went to Yellowstone National Park oh, wow. um, in America. And I was working there over the summer and I came back home and I was either choosing between going back out in the world or working and, and starting building my career. And but I decided what, I'm going to... I'm going to interrupt you, Anjay. Mm -hmm. what, what were you doing in Yellowstone Park? What kind of job? So it was, I was pretty much a shop assistant. So um, oh. it was a very last minute decision and they said we either have a... Uh, independent option or placement option, but since you're so late to the table, we'll give you a placement option where they pretty much you pay up to the agency and they find you a job and they they find you accommodation uh, and they help you with the tickets as well. So I think end of April I paid the agency and mid of May um, 
yeah, mid of May, I was already in Yellowstone. So it was so spontaneous, everything. Um, and yeah, I was in Yellowstone National Park, which to this day, I say it's one of the best experiences I ever had. Okay. Um, it, you know, just being out there in the wilderness. And at that point, again, the, that was in 2010. So the internet and the whole mobile phone era was still kind of, a, you know, um, starting to really boom. And yeah, then I came back home and I was kind of deciding between going to uni, going and uh, traveling. And I decided I'm going to go out there in the world and go to Bournemouth, um, which is a... Yeah. Uh, which is a coastal town in the southwest of England, which uh, I'm pretty sure you know of. Bournemouth, right? Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it, Bournemouth. Yeah, I know it well. Yeah, well, not that well, but I know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where about are you from, by, by the way, Michael? I'm in the Midlands. Midlands, so, okay. W- Worcestershire. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I've been there plenty of time. Yeah, so I then, you know, I then kind of started my life in Bournemouth. That was me completely new in a, you know, in a whole another country. I was in Bournemouth before once. For a summer school, so that's how I kind of got the idea of coming back there. Okay, and yeah, I just you know that's where I started my life, and I found myself a job. Um, I got some new friends, and I pretty much started my new independent, freedom-free life in being twenty uh, in Bournemouth. And and how was your English? I mean, I know obviously you're born in Slovenia, but do you learn English at school there? Yeah, our 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 school system is pretty well supported for English, so we kind of start learning English when we're six, seven years old. Yeah. Um. So that's, that that's the same in the Netherlands where I'm from mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was it was really good. I mean, I didn't have any problems whatsoever. Plus, I was in Yellowstone as well, so that kind of yeah, gave yeah. me extra extra yeah. boost. Um. But yeah, no, my English was fine, and yeah, so I started my life in Bournemouth. I started working in the hotel. And then I met some friends and I started working in a factory, which I didn't really like, but I stayed there for about a year, year and a half. And about that time, my kind of a independent freedom life started kicking in as well. When I started partying a little bit, I started meeting girls, I started, you know, going out. And that's when the whole story of marijuana, I guess, kicks in. Um, you know, I kind of, I got in this, in this new flat and kind of started connecting with the other flatmates and pretty much all of them actually one girl she didn't were smoking weed and you know i i wanted to be at the table as well and i wanted to try as well and i'm gonna ask you, know, you a just... question quick question mm-hmm. so the terms i need to get right on terminology just full declaration i've never smoked cigarettes or any drugs so mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with all of the terminology, but is uh-huh. marijuana, cannabis, weed all interchangeable? Is it all the same thing? I I use it in absolutely the same the same yeah. aspect. So it's 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 the same for I mean, you know, it's anyone knows what we're talking about. The the good old flower, you know, the the marijuana, yes. whatever you want to I call it marijuana just for the fact of it. I also call it weed sometimes. I rarely call it cannabis, but yeah, marijuana. So Right. I mean, cannabis is the term in the UK used a lot, I think. Yeah, but it's more on the paper. I, I feel it's like it, it. you don't really talk about, you know, oh, I'm going to go smoke some cannabis tonight. Right. You don't really hear that often. Right, right, you, right. Got you. you. Know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway, so I kind of started smoking socially. And, you know, at that point, it was still 
very much fun and um you know we were going out and then coming back home we would have one or two joints so we would go down the beach and just be very spontaneous with it and then i guess i kind of picked it up and at that point i was working a little bit more and so my kind of a random spontaneous night became my kind of a job almost so after about a half a year one year i was pretty much smoking weed or marijuana whatever you want to call it every night right and um you know from there on it just kind of went downwards where um sooner or later i was pretty much spending about 100 to 150 pounds per week just to just to smoke yes um and then this continued on for about a year or two and at that point it was kind of a daily thing but it wasn't really i guess it wasn't an addiction yet um, yeah. because I was still kind of a managing, I was, I was working, I was still seeing friends. I would still go out even though less and less. Um, and then, yeah, about a year or two years later on, um, I would make these small shifts. Like I would burn these small bridges where I would be like, I always said, I never want to smoke by myself. And I started smoking by myself. Yes. And then I would say, you know, okay, I'm only going to smoke in the night and I would smoke in the morning. Mm. Um, and, you know, then I would say, okay, I'm not going to smoke outside on the beach or stuff like that on my days, you know, when I'm working. And I did that. Yes. And, you know, then so this kind of a progressed to the point where I was just pretty much smoking any time I could. And mm. about so 2000. Well, did that include then daytime as well as evening? Yeah, or? yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that was that was absolutely no stop. Like, you know, it could be. It could be a Tuesday morning and there would be a sunny day in Bournemouth and I would decide that that's the time to smoke. And, right. Um, you know, so, yeah, at that point, the 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 whole kind of a, just a bit of smoking got completely out of proportion and it wasn't just a bit of smoking. It was a full, it was a full on addiction. Yes. Um, so when I, I was still kind of a pushing forward because I needed to support my habit somehow. So yes. I was working very hard. And at that point, I met some, interesting people, some very hard working people. And um, I started kind of working for myself um, because I kind of seen what people are doing. And I said, okay, I can do this as well, perhaps better. But if they're able to support themselves like that, why would yes. I go to work? And um, yeah. I tried I tried construction, which was kind of working out. But again, it was it was one of those things where I would be taking a small project on Get a bit of money, spend it on weed, and then find something else, which is just a, uh, you know, just a typical kind of a addict thinking, like like get get my next fix, and then we'll worry about everything else. Yes. Um. So yeah, and then at that point, I kind of realized that you know my addiction got way out of proportion, and that's when I tried to stop, and I just couldn't. And you know, the, my first idea was let's do it for a day, let's just have a day off. Yes. And I I just couldn't do it. I mean, you know, I could kick myself. I could go out. Every time I would come back to room or every time I would try to not think of weed, the weed was the only thing on my mind. Um, yeah. So then the story kind of progressed when I did manage to hold out for a day. Or, for example, I wouldn't, I wouldn't smoke in the morning and then I would smoke in the evening. Or I wouldn't smoke during the week and then I would compensate for it over the weekend. Um, and then I had a little short break. I went back home. And I came to England, and that was my first break after three years when I wasn't smoking, um, like for a 
for some time. And all of this happened in the UK? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You were living and working in the UK. Mm -hmm. The habit started in the UK, in Bournemouth, mm -hmm. where you were with friends and parties and whatever, and that just escalated to, to that situation. So did you continue with your self-employment? Yes, at that point, I did continue with my self-employment. Yeah. That was about um, 2017 now when I kind of got my first break. And, you know, I've realized that the change of environment does help. But then I came back to England and I started slowly, like, started slowly smoking again because I was thinking, okay, we got this under control. Right. Um, and about a month or two months later, I was right back into it. Smoking but how every long evening. were you in Slovenia for where you were able to cut four, it out? Four weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. But and see, the didn't... thing is, no, the funniest thing is I didn't, I, I never smoked in Slovenia. I drank sometimes, but I never really smoked. And also the type of the people that I was around, like weed and just drugs in general, weren't really so normalized, I guess, yes. where I was living and around yeah. my, um, you know, around my group of, group of friends and, and mm. family and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I had this brilliant break and I came back to England and, um, you know, I decided, okay, we got things under control. We can do it now. And two, three months later on, I was right back into the same cycle. Wow. And that was dragging on for a while. And then I decided, okay, let's, let's cut it out until we are like, you know, 60, 70 years old. And then perhaps we pick it up. But for now we had this, I mean, at that point I was probably like struggle, I mean, struggling. I was trying to quit and I was trying to do this um, when I had this cycle for about three or four years. And yeah, I managed to quit for six months, which was, uh, which was probably one of the best times I ever had because I realized how much weight is affecting my business, how much is affecting my mind, how much is affecting my performance, how much I'm different when I'm sober versus me being high me being groggy the next day. Um, it's really interesting, actually. I wouldn't mind if you mm -hmm. shared a little bit about that because was it that you had, what does, well, first of all, the first question is not mm -hmm. ever having been a user, so I don't know, genuinely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some people that are listening might not know either. But mm -hmm. what actually happens? What's the state of your physical body or your mental state that changes mm -hmm. as a result of smoking? What? How would you describe it? I mean, you see, that's that's the one of the, those things because it's really kind of hard to describe. But I guess it gets this mellow, dramatic, not mellow, just this mellow kind of a um, relaxed feeling. But then it depends on the strain as well and the type of the weight you get yes. um, or like the how how you take it as well. Like a few times when I first started smoking, we used to smoke from the bunk and that was just very like hyper activity. Like, yeah, let's go do something. Let's, let's dance and stuff like that. But afterwards when I was smoking joints, it was just this kind of a, I don't know, mellow, perhaps tiny spaced out, but not really spaced out kind of a feeling sensation where you're just like, you know, in your, in your place. And, um, you yeah. know, your mind is not really, um around thinking or like you know it just it's just there it's 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 really hard to describe it but it's, is it is it like being drunk on alcohol 
or no, ab- no, absolutely not. Because I feel like when you're drunk on alcohol, you're more impulsive. You're more like, yeah, let's do that, let's do that. Whereas when you, you know, when you when you stoned, it's almost like, yeah, let's just stay here for a little while. Let's have a chat and let's figure yeah. out how we're gonna save the world and you know yes. stuff yeah. like that. So it's. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. how how did that then that kind of mellow feeling how did that affect you know the work that you were doing the relationships that you have mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. or still have uh, mm-hmm. you know did people know did people notice what I mean, feedback did you get you know the see at that point uh, again, I was pretty much smoking every night, and I didn't have many friends. So the few friends that I did have, they obviously smoked, and right. you know they would never come to me and say, "Listen, you are just like you, you're wasting your time. Like, what are you doing?" Um, mm. So it was more of a like, "Okay, you smoke, I smoke, it's fine." Um, yes. But as far as as far as the relationship goes, and as far as um, you know, my my attitude towards my business and towards others. Um, I guess the best way to describe it is I was in this lane that I kind of decided to want to be, and I was doing as minimal as possible to support my habit while continuing to grow, even though I wasn't growing because all I was doing was going to work in the morning if I did decide to go to work. Um, you know, when I first kind of started being self-employed, I realized I can work whenever I want, not when yeah. someone needs me. So that is the worst thing for any addict because it's like, well, yeah, it's th- Thursday morning. I don't really feel like working. I'm just going to have a joint. Yes. And then it's another joint and another joint. And you realize it's eight o'clock in the evening and you just, you know, wasted the whole day. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, so I pretty much worried, I mean, not worried, like every day coming back from work, the first thing that would be on my mind is, I'm going to get high and where I'm going to get high. Um, you know, weed, marijuana was pretty much priority. It was pretty much the driving seat. And I was just in the back trying to hold myself together and get my get my life kind of, a, you know, just to go forward. Yes. Um, but yeah, as far as, as far as the, you know, you don't, I wasn't taking risk. I should be taking as in, as in business, like making connections. I did. I did to the degree that I can support my my habit, but then I didn't grow to the degree where I could grow my business and and perhaps get other people employed and and find new you know find new avenues of of profit or whatnot. Um, my relationship were almost non-existent. Like I said, I had friends that I was talking to uh, which smoked, and that was perhaps once or twice a month. Um, I talked with my family. No, before I used to talk to them once a week. Mm. Now I talk to them once every two or three months. Um, you know, I would avoid social social um, situations. I would avoid birthday parties. I wouldn't go out much. I would be at home right. trying to trying to think my my next move with my business, which was my excuse, even though I was just you know just smoking my days away. And yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, and um how i mean let's just go back to the beginning when it all started when people mm-hmm. were introducing you to it and you went oh yeah i want to be at that table and have a go at that from that point then 
how, I mean, you were what, early 20s? I was 20. 20. Mm-hmm. How easy then was it for people to share with you where you could get it, right? You kind of go. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely easy. I mean, easy. you know, for me, it was also, I don't know, I guess nowadays I'm a little bit more, a little more, I think, think through in a way. Mm. But back then when I was in this in this new, you know, new town, I was I was almost like this impulsive young kid that was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, you got a dealer's number? Okay, give me, I'll, I'll sort it out. And yeah. then, you know, in about a year or two years, I would have 10 different dealers. And if dealer number one wouldn't answer on Wednesday morning, I would call dealer number two and, and I'll just go down the list. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... So there are yeah. lots of dealers, is what oh, you're yeah. saying. I, I t- honestly, I think... I think weed is pretty much like alcohol nowadays. Um, yeah. You know, it's just so normalized. It's just so, I don't think even the, I mean, I, I think as far as England goes, there's only a, a fine or a warning or a caution mm. um, for possession, but it's just so normalized. It's no, you know, no one is gonna, no one is gonna really be like, oh my God, like it's weed, mm. you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how it started then. And, I mean, from the beginning, obviously, I was getting from the flatmates and then from friends. But sooner or later, I, I started getting it myself because, you know, I wanted to make the connections. And, you yes. Know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I first of all, I'm not sitting here judging anybody, mm-hmm. not you or anybody who smokes marijuana, mm-hmm. cannabis, weed, whatever. I mean, first of all, I'm from Amsterdam originally, but mm-hmm. as we all know, Amsterdam is legalized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, I, I've never been in a cafe, in a, mm-hmm. you know, the cafe, let's put it in between quotes, uh, in <laughs> Amsterdam myself. I left Amsterdam when I was, first of all, when I was 13 to live in South America for a bit, came back, then we came to the UK. So I was not in that age bracket where I would have been exposed to it. I came to the UK when I was 17 Mm -hmm. and I knew it was going on, of course, but I was never exposed to it. I mean, I had a drag of a cigarette from with some friends and I hated the taste and I never Mm -hmm. smoked. The rest of my family, my brothers and sister did. Mm -hmm. But um, what's the point I'm making? Yeah. It's as a Dutchman, I know it goes on. You know, I when I walk the dog at night, sometimes here in the UK, I can walk around the corner and I recognize the smell now from having walked around Amsterdam. You can smell, you just Mm -hmm. walk into a cloud and you feel high, Mm -hmm. you know, when you smell the cloud or smoke. So now I know what the smell is like when I walk on the streets in the UK, walking the dog at night. I can hear it coming from people's gardens, you know, out of mm-hmm. their houses. So I know it's prevalent. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's the point I was perhaps trying to make. But, mm-hmm. okay, so so you came back, you got back into it again, you're kind of on your own, you're avoiding everybody mm-hmm. as much as possible. Yeah, and what happened next? <laughs> yeah, no, so, I mean, to cut the long story short, so... Um, 
I managed to hold, you know, I, I made this second decision where I was like, okay, we had this whole ordeal for a few years now. Why don't we just skip 30, 40 years and then perhaps smoke weed when we're older and, you know, we're somewhere with a nice porch or whatever. Um, but for now, let's just leave weed where it is. And that worked. That worked for about six months. Right. And it was a weekend and I was planning to go down the beach see some friends after a very long time. And before that, I stopped at my solicitor. And for some reasons, very stupid reasons, we had a fight with my solicitor. Oh. And it just triggered me to the point, you know, the solicitor, the person that I hired to work with me had, a, had an argument with me for very, very, I mean, I just, I still don't understand what, what, what the point was. But anyways, I got triggered to the point that said, okay, you know what, six months, I was fine. I can have one joint. It'd be fine. Um, so I called my dealer and I said to him, like, you know, sort me a joint. And he said, I'm not going to do you a joint. Either you buy a whole bag or like, you know, you don't, you find someone else. But okay, it's fine. I'll buy a whole bag, which is like a gram. It's like 10 pounds anyways. So I go and I get get that. And I stopped at the shop, got some papers, got some tobacco as well. And I made one joint. And I had a joint, and about 45 minutes later, I made another joint. And that evening, I smoked the whole bag. And wow. the next week, I was stoned every single day. I just fall right back into it like nothing ever happened. Mm. And then it was probably, that was probably one of the worst like, kind of, uh, you know, periods of journey because I just got so... I didn't get necessarily, I didn't necessarily give up, but I just got so discouraged how easily and how quickly I fell back into the pattern. Um, so it took me another few months to get myself picked again. And at that point, I was smoking heavily, um, perhaps not as heavy as before, but still heavily daily. Yes. Um, and then about 2020, around mid, around the summer, at the height of the pandemic, hmm. um, I kind of realized that this pandemic is not going away. And my landlord decided she's going to sell the flat. And I just had enough. That was about five, six years of me trying to get rid of this nasty habit, trying to get myself together, trying to, um, you know, get my life, sort my life together. I was also coming on my 30s in three months. Um, so I said, you know what? this is it like we we had our fair share of you know trying and wasting time and left mm. and right and meeting mm. people and yeah i quit in august 2020 and um yeah then i kind of had some other projects at that point in the pipeline i was we started a news kind of an outlet in bournemouth in 2019 yeah. um which was kind of a starting to pick up but then the pandemic hit yeah. um so we didn't really figure, we, we went into it without actually figuring out our business model, our profit. Um, so that kind of, uh, I, I left that. Um, and then I had my self-employment, which at that point was um, buying and selling plastic. Um, right. So because of the pandemic, I had to stop that as well because, you know, we, we weren't allowed to even go outside to drive. And it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't what was it called? Unnecessary. It wasn't. Um, yeah. Essential. Um, essential. Essential. That's it. It wasn't yeah. essential. So, um, so yeah, that stopped. And then 
I was kind of uh, looking at different ways I want to take this. And I decided, you know what? I've been struggling for this most of my 20s. Why don't I just decide and spend my career doing this? And yeah. I decided I want to make an online program slash kind of a outlet where people can go and get help for yeah. marijuana. And that's how whole idea behind mylashjoint.com came about. So, yeah, that was a long story. <laughs> what happened? No, I, yeah. I love and thank you for taking the time to explain mm. it. And I'm sorry that in telling your story, you're having to relive it in your mind. No, absolutely. Uh, it's fine. No but, words whatsoever. I mean, basically, you spent a decade battling with this mm -hmm. drug and the addiction. Mm -hmm. How would you classify yourself now in terms of where you are right now? Would you say you're in recovery, like mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're an addict who's in recovery? I mean, you know when they say that people and they're alcoholics, mm -hmm. you know, you're only one drink away from being an alcoholic. Hello, it's Michael here. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. More to come. And I just wanted to quickly let you know about my other work, in case you didn't already know. I am involved with producing whiteboard animations for organizations so they can share better stories about their products or services. I also help business professionals get better at storytelling. I do this via in-person or online workshops just visit my website where you can find out a lot more. Just go to stayinglifeuk.com or you can contact me via the contact form on the homepage. Just fill in the details and an email will land in my inbox. And now let's get back to the podcast. Would you say yeah. that's the same for you with, with marijuana? You know, it would be, it would be, hypocritic for me to say that I'm not in recovery. I, I don't, you know, I think anyone after a long addiction is in recovery. I don't know what's the amount of years, but I class myself as an ex-stoner. I, you know, I had... And what, a what? Say again. Ex-stoner as a ex, ex-stoner. <laughs> ex-stoner. Yeah, as in stone, as a person that likes to get stoned. Get stoned. So stoned, a person who likes to get stoned is a stoner. Yeah, and you're but I'm an, an ex-stoner. Ex okay. <laughs> yeah, ex Sorry, I, there's no, a no, brand that's new fine. term that's that I've never ever heard I, of. I, I just yeah, I know. <laughs> I just started using it kind of last few months. I guess. I mean, the thing is, see, I never really had problems with alcohol. I did try some of the other harder drugs, but they never st stuck with me just because I don't know the calm. The calm down was just horrible, and yes. I just never wanted to do it again. But yeah. with the weed, it was almost like, yeah, it's weed. Like, you know, we're going to figure it out somehow. But we didn't mm -hmm. figure out it. We kept on doing it for a long time. And, you know, um, it cost me missed opportunities. It cost me lots of opportunities in my business. It cost me friendships, cost me relationships. It cost me um, family, family ships, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the extent, the real extent of my addiction I actually realized last year when my grandma passed away. Oh, and yeah. she was my favorite person. Oh, and, yeah. I, you know, throughout my 20s, I maybe called her twice or three times per year. 
Um, and it was just unfair. And that's when I kind of realized, and that's when I this this whole vision and this purpose to 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 do my last joint really got strong because I realized, listen, I I never want I never want anyone else experience this. Like, you know, being looking at the tombstone and thinking, what have I done, and like not being able to fix it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was that was kind of a yeah. As as what I class myself, ex donor, I don't think of weed anymore. I know the consequences it brings. Yeah, I'm not gonna say I choose not to use it. Yeah, See, the whole idea behind my last joint is so around my thirtieth birthday, a good friend of mine invited me to celebrate, and we were at the heights of pandemic. Yeah, and I said to him, I don't really want to do it because the pills. You know, come, it's be fine. It's just us. So I went and we had a drink and he gave me a joint. And he knew at that point that I'm not smoking. So that was about two months in. That was November 2020. Yes. And I said to him, I'm not doing this. Like, I know what what this happens. One joint, another joint. I'm back right into it. And he said, no, no, do it. And I said, you know what? I'll take it with me and I'll think of it. And going back home, that was just, it was just very anxiety ridden because that was that was one of the triggers for me going back home from work was my was my kind of a trigger to okay yes. now you worked hard let's smoke now let's have your smoking session whatever um mm. so what i did is before i went back in i said okay what are we doing here mm. do i really want this and i said i don't want it but why don't we just keep it? Because every time before I would need to clean the room of my weed, I would need to have, I wouldn't, I shouldn't have any weed around me. Like if I would have weed around me, that would be my trigger. Even though, you know, towards the end, I was, I could hold myself. But anyways, I said, I'm going to take this joint and I'm going to leave it there on the shelf. And, you know, if the world collapse, if the aliens come invade us, I'll have this joint and I can get high, but I choose not to. And that's kind of my, my idea. I mean, I wasn't an addict. I'm not an addict anymore. I got a perhaps, uh, you know, stall of an addict, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, but I call myself ex stoner, and you know that's about it. And I choose Thank not you. to smoke because yeah, yeah. I I think that's a great term. And what is what is really important for you is that you've made a choice here. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of honoring that to yourself. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It has got nothing to do with anybody. Not me, not your family, no. not no. friends. None of it doesn't matter to anybody. This is you this is a a promise you have made to yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the only person you will ever let down or anybody ever let down if you were to start again is yourself. You know exactly. You're not letting anybody else down. It's just you, mm-hmm. and I it's know. about. I think <clears throat> you. I mean, I can certainly read that from your energy. Is that you've got a level of self-love for you mm-hmm. that, that you are saying no. I love myself now enough mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. do not need this in order to yeah. feel different. You know, because. I mean, the fact that you said, oh, it's this calming, mellow feeling, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a change of, of um, state, isn't it? It's a change of mm-hmm. state. And very often a change of state is good 
I mean, you can change your state by drinking a glass of water or yeah. drinking fruit tea mm -hmm. with honey in it or, you know, drinking a pet. You can literally change your state by doing a walk, going for a mm -hmm. walk, going mm -hmm. for a cycle, doing some work, helping somebody. That's mm. how you can change because that will make you feel good inside if you did Absolutely. something for somebody else. And the fact that you've launched your business called last my, my last mylastjoin.com um the fact that you've launched that business with that title, right? It means you want to help others. Mm -hmm. And you will get a hit. <laughs> yeah, feeling absolutely. a mellow feeling from helping mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. and that means you won't need to go to a substance mm -hmm. where you get a state a physical mental state change yeah 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 i mean you know one of the hardest things for me and i still battle nowadays with that not necessarily with the substance but i guess with the thoughts was escaping i loved escaping i loved escaping reality you know, yes. dur dur during the day, I would make my money and then in the evening I would escape to my fairyland with weed and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it, you know? Yes. Um, like I said, I still do it nowadays sometimes with my thoughts. I I started kind of uh, implementing this block where I realized before I didn't necessarily realize so much that with my thoughts I used to do it as well. But now I implement my blocks where I was like, okay, you're here right now, present. This is you. There's the sun. There's the nature. Let's stay here. Let's focus on what you have right now. Stop escaping to what you're going to do then and there. And, and you know, um, yeah. so that was probably the hardest thing for me. And I think that's one of the hardest thing for a lot of people using weed as well, because weed is kind of a, this comfort blanket, this escape. That it's like, mm. you know, after a long day, after an argument, after a you know, a huge emotional experience after a grief, what, whatever the trigger is, weed kind of is this buffer that gives you, you know, that gives you the, the, the choice of, of, of escape. Um, I think it's true with any kind of addiction. You mm -hmm, know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it is a state change. That's all it is. You know, you, mm -hmm. And that is because at some level we want to feel, look, I, I repeat this a lot to people. There are only two emotions, pleasant emotion and not pleasant mm -hmm. emotion. Right? Mm -hmm. Those are the only two emotions. Mm -hmm. So if we're in an unpleasant emotion, mm -hmm. what do we, where do we want to go? We want to feel we'll have that pleasant emotion, right? Pleasant mm -hmm. feeling inside of us. So if you have an argument with your solicitor, which is unpleasant, you now want mm -hmm. to move to pleasant. Well, mm -hmm. because of your practice and your habit, you know that moving to a pleasant feeling emotion is to smoke a joint because mm -hmm. you're instantly back to a pleasant feeling emotion. Mm -hmm. The problem, the argument hasn't gone away. You just looked to change your state. Mm -hmm. And I think more and more people are coming to the realization that actually you can change your state without any substance, without yeah. alcohol, without smoking, without weed, marijuana, mm -hmm. without heroin, without um, 
cocaine, you know, mm-hmm. these are all substances where people are looking for a state change. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, well, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. You know, what's wrong with that? Well, mm-hmm. the thing is, you have no idea the damage that you're causing to your physical and emotional side of things, you know. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Tell me, tell me a little bit more now how last minute might not last minute my last <laughs> joint dot com works. My last joint dot com works. How does so it work? We, so I kind of started my journey with the podcast because I wanted to first explore a little bit and find out more other stories. And then throughout the podcast, I realized that a lot of people want and need support. So I started yeah. with the community. Um, and lately I included coaching as well. Um, right. so podcast and the community is kind of a free aspect of my last joint It's kind of a free support days out there, but then coaching is actually kind of, a um, the, the part of the business where I actually make money and then support and grow. Um, yes. but yeah, the whole, the whole idea is pretty much to, um, to build an online outlet or online quote unquote clinic, even though I don't want to call it a clinic or a rehab, um, where people can come and they get help. And no, not only that they get help and, and stop using or cut down if they want to, but we also give them kind of a tools and teach them coping skills and emotion, regulating emotions and the whole aspect of quitting weed that you kind of realize after you quit. Yes. Um, because funnily enough, like a lot of people doing this, it's almost like, okay, I have to quit weed and then my whole world will be magically resolved. But as soon as you quit weed, you you realize that that's just a small step in a very, very uh, big ocean of of problems and, and dilemmas you have there. So, um, yeah, so that's where we are now. I kind of started with coaching about a month and a half ago. And that will be kind of our primary, my primary focus um, for the next few years. But I also want to get other people on board, you know, people with better brains and people that have more knowledge than me. I'm just a, I'm just a guy that, that threw his 20s away and I want to help some other people. But I do want to get people on board that, you know, do this professionally, do uh, research, this kind of stuff and have more data and more research to right. kind of support and and bring this to an actual an actual entity that you know anyone is is able to go to and say listen this works i think you should use it you know and so is the is the title of your podcast the same title my last joint yeah so it used to be mylastjoint.com because for some reason i wanted to be focused on this online company online organization but i realized there's nothing online about the business or uh, a business helping people quit weight. It has to be personal and it has to come from the right place. So it's my last joint spaces in between. So it'd be my space last space joint. Um, so that's what the podcast is called. And I t- tonight is I'm releasing episode 73. So, wow. Mm-hmm. And you interview people that have, are in recovery from from... Kind of, uh, yeah, marijuana. so so right now we're in the second season, which I funnily called "Throw the Fear Out of the Window," 
because right. it's almost like I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm starting to approach people that I wouldn't necessarily approach before. Um, um, I still talk to the people that have quit for a while or that quit recently, but mostly I'm actually focusing now on the people that work in this industry. Um, so that right. would be counselors, that would be other people helping people quit, that would be, um, you know, policymakers, uh, lawmakers, um, you know, business owners, even organization owners, you know, stuff like that. So. And are you focused on any particular countries when you do this? Not necessarily. I One of the idea behind my last joint is that it's online, which means that I don't want it to have borders. Um, saying that, it is still very hard, especially with legalization nowadays. Legalization, yes, also legalization, but with the laws, with the laws pertaining to addiction and just yeah. um, just recovery in general. But no, I I don't want my last joint to be to be solely focused on one country. I want to make it a borderless um, online. Got it. And it's essentially an English podcast, so it's people speak English on it. People speak English, only English, yeah. yes. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, anyone who's listening who wants to check it out, either for themselves or maybe a family member, you know, mm -hmm. go and check out My Last Joint, the podcast. This is where it all can get started for you by hearing other stories, by hearing professionals talk about it. Yeah, let's go and check it out. You know, stop this podcast now and go and check that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will definitely want to share it with some people that I know that are close to me, who mm -hmm. I know have been touched by this very um, attractive <laughs> drug that people love. Mm -hmm. And of course, what happens too is that people are very symbolic over it. So... I knew very little about this, but somebody who's quite close in my family mentioned to me that there is a particular time frame, time of the day, when people smoke this, you know, uh, I believe it's 20 past four in the afternoon. And then um, <laughs> yeah. some people make, they get tattoos and put tattoos on their mm -hmm. arms uh, mm -hmm. with that time. Some billionaires the richest man in the world will buy a social media company. And I didn't even realize, maybe you don't even realize, that Elon Musk offered $54.20 per share with a nod to the 420 being the time for um, marijuana, of course. Okay. And and that got accepted, and he now owns it. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a nod to his habit uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it get, so it's in the culture of the world, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's very, very acceptable to, well, I'm not close to it, but mm -hmm. if, if, if a multi-billionaire person in the world is able to use a share price to highlight it, then, you know, that's pretty concerning, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, I always say, Michael, listen, I'm not against marijuana. I do understand marijuana has a place in this world, but, you know, there is about 10% of the people that do use marijuana that end up having troubles. 
And right. that's kind of uh, my my focus. That's that's the sort of the people I want to help with. I absolutely understand that some people listening to this podcast and also some people on my podcast won't end up having problems or are able to regulate, are able to say, no, listen, I smoke too much today. I'm only going to have one joint or are able to do Saturday evening and have a joint with a group of people and be like, that was fun. Perhaps do it next time. But then there is this 10%, they say 10, 12% of people that do end up having trouble and it does become addiction. And that's kind of what people I want to help with. So, mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I will just say, for the record, in case I get into trouble, I don't know whether Elon Musk actually smokes or not. <laughs> <laughs> I've so, seen him once. I think I've seen a podcast with Joe Rogan. But That's right. I would I would highly doubt if he smokes. If he smokes, mm. he's just, uh, I mean, he's a super, you know, he's, he's just uh, from another galaxy. But if he smokes and he's able to do <laughs> everything that he does, that's just, he's no, he's unhuman then, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he, he is from outer space, indeed. Um, so... Anjay, how can people get in touch with you uh, through the website or anywhere mm -hmm. else on your socials? Would you yeah, like so to share if anyone, that? if anyone wants to get in touch, just feel free to type in uh, your browser, mylastjoint.com. And you can also check the podcast. So that would be My Last Joint Podcast. And yeah, that's it. We'll take it from there. Um, yeah. Great, great. So is there anything else that, I haven't asked that you would have liked to have shared or do you think um, we've covered it? I think that's pretty much it. I would really urge listeners to give you a follow and to share your podcast because I feel like this concept of the podcast is way too undervalued in a way. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's sometimes I some, that's sometimes, sometimes I kind of struggle with this because my podcast is focused on quitting marijuana solely so sometimes it can get a little bit dark sometimes it's a little bit not necessarily boring but only pertaining to one topic but yeah. i feel like your your podcast is is it can be very varied and it can be covering many subjects so i would definitely urge listeners to share it with anyone that that is looking for a bit of um entertainment or just a bit of kind of a knowing more um, yeah and on that note, I would say as well, thank you for, for having me and thank you for, I'm not entirely sure what, web, I think it was a website matchmaker, but I'm not entirely sure what That's it was. That's right. But yeah. 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 Thank you for, for responding and uh, for making this happen. It means a lot, Mike. Uh, my pleasure. And it means a lot you coming as a guest. Um, I really appreciate it. And I think... I think it's an important story that I'd love to get mm -hmm. out there. So that's why I'm happy for you to be a guest. <laughs> I, I have one last question and then we'll say so, goodbye to each other. But you know that 10% you talk about? Mm -hmm. um, is there any statistics how many people that would be in the world? No, no, no. because <laughs> you see, that's, that's another thing about marijuana. A lot of stoners i guess are just people using marijuana a secret about it um you know i often refer to this in my podcast and my guests often refer to it as well as a kind of a secret society yes um and it's kind of hard to spot someone that smokes weed on a daily basis perhaps mm -hmm. you would see that he's not a socialist so much and you know he's kind of a less emotional in a way but um I don't think there is a data on that. There is a data of how many people 
end up having problems. Mm. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't think there is a data of how many people actually smoke. Perhaps there is a statistic, but you know. I was just thinking about the ten percent, mm -hmm. really, the ten percent mm -hmm. that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, how big is the market for you, basically? Okay, yeah, mm. I don't know, and that's the one of the things that I am not necessarily concerned with. If I okay. can help one person. That's fine enough. And then we'll go to another person and then to another person. I will say, though, with the legalization sweeping over across the ocean, mm. I am kind of thinking that this is going to go a little bit out of proportion. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, I don't necessarily, I mean, oh, I do want to think of it as a business as well, but I really just want to help people. And if we can make it a, uh, a valid and you know working business sustainable business um then i made that as well but um yeah brilliant well thank you very much i, w I wish you success with it all um, mm -hmm. it's not easy starting a business uh but what is good about what you're doing is you have a lot of empathy and you have a lot of mm -hmm. knowledge because you've mm -hmm. been on that journey and therefore mm -hmm. i think people will be attracted to you because mm -hmm. you're not a counselor who's trying to help people you you you're you're an ex donor so mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. you know what you're talking about so i hope it goes well for you and i hope this interview will get out there to the people that are listening and yeah please share it with your oh. friends and family people that are listening uh, this is an important topic let's help people that are really struggling out there thanks mm -hmm. anjay it's been a pleasure. Uh, keep in touch. Keep letting me know how it's going. And uh, bye for now. Thanks, Michael. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe and share at will. I'm always looking for more listeners and guests. So do get in touch, please. You can find me pretty easily by searching for Staying Alive UK. Thank you. Staying Alive UK. Share your story.